Turning to Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, I want to begin reading at verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only will I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it, yet, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come to you and ask you to to fill our cup, to fill it with the message from your word. And we pray that you would do that tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing um, our studies here in Galatians chapter 3 as we look again at these foolish Galatians who are halting between grace and works, halting between truth and error. And what Paul is teaching them What he's homing them back in on is what took place in their own lives. This only what I learn of you, he asked them in verse 2. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Those are rhetorical questions. Questions that Paul is asking to make a point rather than to get an answer. And the point, of course, that he's making is that they did not receive the Spirit by the works of the law. The point that he's making is the same one that he made in chapter 2 and verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. This is the message that he preached in Antioch in Acts chapter 13. That is, by the Lord Jesus Christ, it is by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Our need is to be justified before God. To be just as if I've never sinned. And the law of Moses cannot do that. Paul would write in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, For it is not possible, not possible, that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. John tells us, John one twenty nine, who it is that can take away sin. Behold, 
the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 1 John 1 and verse 7, And the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. Hebrews 10 and verse 12, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And verse 14 says, For by one offering, and that one offering is his death on the cross, where he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. For by one offering, he, he hath perfected, not the law, not the works of the law. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. This is the truth that Paul is teaching in these verses. And the teaching method that he is using is the same one that the Lord uses with us. Reasoning. Reasoning. Come now. The Lord says in Isaiah 1 and verse 18. Come now and let us reason together. Let, let's sit down. And let's draw our conclusions from the truth. Let's draw our conclusion from the facts. This is what Paul is doing in verse 2. And the fact that is that these Galatian believers did not receive the Spirit by the works of the law. They received it by the hearing of faith. But Paul isn't done in this chapter. Not by a long shot, as they say. Look at verse 6. Even, and that word even, takes us back to verse 2. This only what I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the Spirit of faith. And so he says, even as Abraham. How did he receive the Spirit of faith? By the works of the law? No. Even as Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Paul brings up Abraham. And... He says that what is true of you Galatian believers is true of Abraham. Abraham's righteousness did not come by the works of the law. Well, somebody may say, well, of course not. Uh, Abraham didn't have the law. Why? He died 330 years before the law was given on Mount Sinai. But I want us to see tonight that Abraham did have the law. John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 9, says that the Lord Jesus is the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That included Abraham. Romans 2 and verse 15 says that we show the work of of the law written in our hearts. That's how our conscience can bear witness when we steal or lie or covet. You don't have to be very old when 
you do something wrong, your conscience, the, the, the work of the law written in your heart brings it to mind. This is wrong. This is not right. Abraham had the law of God written on his heart. And that's demonstrated in his life. I'd like for you to look back, if you will, to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. We're looking at Abraham. And we want to see how the law of God indeed was written on his heart. In Genesis chapter 14, Abraham delivers Lot and he delivers the people of Sodom and he's met by Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God. And notice what we read in verse 19. And he blessed him, that is Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he, Abram, and he gave him tithes of all. Now where did Abram learn about tithing? Where did he learn about that? Because that law is not going to be written on earth for another 300 or so years. It's not going to be written until Leviticus 27 and verse 30 where God says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. In chapter 27 and verse 32 says, and concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So whether it was the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree or the herd or the flock, the tithe, the tenth of those things belong to God. It is holy. It is holy unto the Lord. And by the way, the tent still belongs to the Lord. The tent still belongs to him. It is the acknowledging of the fact that everything we have belongs to the Lord. Isn't the Lord wonderful? He could have said, look, give me 90% and you keep 10 that will certainly demonstrate that all of it belongs to me. But what does he do? He says, give me 10%. 10%. That acknowledges that you understand that all that you have belongs to me. The tenth is the beginning point for our giving to the Lord. It's the minimum. And to give less than that is to rob God. That's what God says in, in Malachi chapter 3. Let, let's keep your place here. Let's look over there just for a minute to Malachi chapter 3. 
And, and I want to tell you as we turn here, this is a passage of Scripture that I fought against for many, many years. Malachi chapter 3. And look at verse 8. Will a man rob God? What do we say? Why? No. No, I wouldn't rob God. Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? God says, in tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. And the result in verse 9 is, you're cursed with a curse. For ye've robbed me, even this whole nation. And so the solution is in verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Have you ever run into the devourer? I have. And he loves to devour and consume inanimate objects like washing machines and clothes dryers and refrigerators or heat pumps or car radiators or fuel pumps, or, or, or oil pans, or transmissions. And the devourer always comes at the worst possible time. He did, in my experience. But somehow, I could find the money to fix what the devourer consumed, sometimes by charging the repairs, are charging the replacement on a credit card. I'll show you. But I still wouldn't find the money to give to the Lord in tithes and offerings and bring it into the storehouse of the local church that there may be meat in his house. And so the financial hole got deeper. And all the time, there was the Lord saying, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me. Put me to the test if I won't do what I say. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Oh, the years that I fought against this, these verses here in Malachi chapter 3. And in my rebellion, I wrote off all the things that the devourer was consuming as, oh, that's just a coincidence. Isn't that something? When the truth is, I was robbing God in tithes and offerings. I was missing the opportunity to prove the sincerity of the love that I professed to have for him. We read about that over in the book of 1 Corinthians. Giving is to prove the sincerity of our love. Young people, 
Some of you are just starting out working. Let me encourage you to do something. Tithe. Give to the Lord. Give him the 10% and give him a little more. Give him an offering. He'll bless you for it. And if you can start that now and make that a um, spiritual habit in your life, the, the, the blessings that the Lord will give you, he, he'll prove himself. Well, I'm way off the subject here. And I guess maybe some people would say you're so far off that you've quit preaching and gone to meddling. But these are the things that we need to be reminded of from time to time. Because one of the great problems in the lives of God's people are financial problems. Some of the most serious problems in the lives of God's people are financial problems. And you know what, where that little root leads? It leads to marital problems and difficulties. And many times those problems come back right here to Malachi chapter 3. God sends the devourer because we are robbing him in tithes and offerings. And instead of confessing our sin, instead of facing the truth about ourselves, we blame our wife. What's well, her fault? Or she blames the husband. And you have this tension that the children have to witness day after day and week after week. And that is destroying homes in this country. Homes, Christian homes. Malachi chapter 3. It's important. But let's go back to Abraham. How did he know about tithing? He had the law of God written in his heart. And, and let's go back to, to Genesis chapter 14 again. And notice in verse 20 that Abram gave Melchizedek tithes of all. Tithes of all. Well, what is that word all referring to? Well, it's not referring to the goods that belonged to Lot and the people of Sodom that Abraham recovered. Those things did not belong to him. I believe all refers, if you look at Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. That is the all from which Abram gave tithes. He gave tithes of all. You know, you run into people sometimes who want to try to split hairs on whether all is from your gross pay or all from your net pay. Well, I believe the wording here is very, very clear. It's tithes of all. That's gross. With nothing held back. If you tithe off your net, then if you're not careful, you may find yourself tithing of what's left of your paycheck after you pay all of your bills. And the Lord will get less and less and less. 
God says, give me the first fruits. Give me the first fruits. Abram gave tithes of all. And he knew that because the law of God was written in his heart. Something else while we are here. The law of God said, thou shalt not covet anything that is thy neighbor's. That law was written in Abram's heart. Look at verse 21. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Abram did not covet any of the goods of Sodom. There was great wealth there, by the way. He didn't covet any of the goods of Sodom. And there's another law that was written in Abram's heart, I think, that we see demonstrated here. In Exodus 23 and verse 8, God says, And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise. And perverteth the words of the righteous. Abraham did not want to take the gifts of Sodom. Because he did not want to be blinded. He did not want to be blinded to the sin and rebellion that was there. And he didn't want to compromise the words of truth. So that he could be. He didn't want to put himself in a position where he could not stand for the Lord against Sodom and its wickedness. In Matthew chapter 22, in verse 39, the Lord Jesus said that the second great commandment of the law is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That law was written on Abram's heart. And he demonstrated it, if you'll turn back to chapter 13, And verse 7. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Look at verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee, Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right hand. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Now how did Abram know that he should let Lot choose first? Because the law of God was written on his heart. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What a (laughs) self-love... What what does self do? I want to choose first. So Abram should love love Lot as himself, and he did. He did. He let him choose first. And he did because the law of God was written in his heart. But it wasn't just the laws that Abram kept that were written in his heart. It was all the laws. It was the law that said, 
thou shalt not bear false witness. That law was written in Abram's heart. Look back at, at Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near into Egypt that he said unto Sarai's wife, Behold, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Abram breaks the law of God that's written in his heart. He bears false witness. He says that Sarah is his sister. When the truth is, she is his wife. He does it again in Genesis chapter 20 when he tells the same lie to Abimelech. He broke that law of God that was written in his heart. I think we can also see that Abram broke the law of God concerning thy loving thy neighbor as thyself. Look again at verse 13 at what he says to Sarah. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister. Why? That it may be well with me for thy sake. <laughs> and my soul shall live because of thee. Saying that your beautiful wife is your sister. And putting her in a position to be taken into another man's house. Where she could become one of his wives. Is not loving thy neighbor as thyself. Another law that was written in Abram's heart, and Sarah's too, for that matter, is all of these are, thou shalt not commit adultery. Look over at Genesis chapter 16 and verse 1. And Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Notice those words. Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. He didn't hearken to the voice of the Lord. He didn't hearken to the voice of the Lord. The voice of the law of God written in his heart that said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. So Abram has lied. Hasn't loved his neighbor as himself when it comes to his wife. And he's committed adultery. Abram is guilty of breaking the whole law. James chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. 
Abram's guilty of all. He's a sinner. Because sin is the transgression of the law. So where is his righteousness that comes by the works of the law? It does not exist. Abraham has no righteousness. And so what's he going to do? What's he going to do? The only thing that he can do. The only thing that any man or woman or young person can do. Believe God. And what did Abram believe when he believed God? Well, look at Genesis chapter 22. Look at Genesis chapter 22 and verse 8. What did Abraham believe when he believed God? The gospel. Genesis 22 and verse 8. And Abraham said, My son, God, will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. That's the gospel. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the Lamb that Abraham was looking forward to. The Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's interesting what the Lord Jesus told the Jews in John chapter 8 and verse 56. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. What day? The day when God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And he saw it. He saw it by faith as he looked forward to the cross. There's the cross again that we were talking about this morning. And was glad. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Now let's go back to Galatians chapter 3. And look at verse 6. This is what Paul is saying. Well let's read verse 2 first. He says to the Galatians, This only will I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith, even as Abraham. Even as Abraham. How did Abraham receive life? How was Abraham saved? He was saved not by the works of the law. We just went through some examples of that. He was not saved by the works of the law. He was saved by the hearing of faith. He was saved by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Look at Romans chapter 4. Look at Romans chapter 4. Because Paul deals with Abraham again here. Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. 
What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. You can't mix works and grace. Verse 5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. This is how Abraham got saved. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. It's exactly the same way that we get saved. It's the same way that the Galatians were saved. Same way that you and I are saved, if we are tonight. We believe God. We look back to the cross of Calvary and we see that God did provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And we lay down our works because it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. By the works of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. We lay down our works and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who justifies the ungodly. And our faith is counted for righteousness. God gives us the righteousness of God. This is what he is Teaching. This is what he is giving, um, reasoning with these Galatians about. And he's not through. He's not through reasoning with them. He's going to go on and he's going to continue to talk about Abraham and the things that he brings out there. But we don't have time to go through all that tonight. We'll have to have that for another message. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the simplicity that is in Christ. That it's not by our works of righteousness. We have no righteousness. All that we have is filthy rags. And Father, we thank you that we can work not, that we can put aside and lay down our works and we can trust the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessed salvation. We pray that it's the portion of each one who is here tonight. And we pray that we would be faithful to give out this message. We live in a religious world that is preaching works. It's trying to get people to do the best they can as though somehow that will justify them before God. Help us to ever bring forth the message of the truth. We thank you for each one who's come tonight. We pray your blessings upon them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.